To begin today's show, well, it's World Elder Abuse Awareness Day. It was developed and launched on June 15, 2006 by the International Network for the Prevention of Elder Abuse, which means today is the 15th year of its recognition. To help mark the day, the government has provided almost $1.9 million to help raise awareness of senior abuse, which will help create educational programs to protect seniors from physical, emotional, and financial abuse. To talk more about this, I'm joined on the line now by Pamela McDonald, Director of Education with the BC Securities Commission. Pamela, thank Thanks for taking the time. My pleasure. And I'm also joined by Isabel McKenzie, BC Senior Advocate. Thanks for doing this, Isabel. Appreciate it. My pleasure, Jeff. All right, Isabel, I will start with you. We've talked about this in the past, but just how prevalent are instances of senior abuse and how challenging is it to track those events here in British Columbia? Well, it is very challenging to track them, uh, Jeff. As you know, we report from various sources what we think are reported cases of abuse each year, and we know by the numbers we're reporting that we're not capturing at all. We recently did a survey of British Columbians to ask uh, people, have you ever witnessed financial abuse? And about one in five uh, people in B.C. say that they have witnessed financial abuse in persons over the age of 65. So we know that it is an issue out there. Now, one of the goals, of course, of the B.C. Securities Commission is to enable people to achieve their financial goals. And obviously, we're talking about, uh, you know, financial abuse being one uh, key part of of, uh, potential abuse that seniors do face. So I just wanted to ask, why was this something that was important for the BCSC to team up with the Office of the Senior Advocate today on? Why was this something that was so important to the B.C. Securities Commission here, Pamela? Well, we know that older adults or seniors can often be a group of people that are most targeted uh, by fraudsters or people with scams. Uh, These are also people who may have more money uh, than others. They may also be relying on their money, for example, fixed income in order to uh, meet their quality of life. And so it's really important for us to make sure, to do the best that we can to ensure that seniors in British Columbia know how to recognize the signs of investment fraud, uh, to be able to reject them, and of course, report any possible fraud to us at the BC Security. Commission. Because people, if, if people are relying on fixed income right now and they're worried that they might be losing some of it and they see the volatile markets, they may be more susceptible to saying yes to a potential fraudulent scheme. Now, with that in mind, Isabel, in January, I believe it was, you and I actually talked about how you were hoping to take some steps to improve the system for reporting senior abuse here in, in 2020. So how how is that working? Uh, have you seen a, an improvement here at all over the por- course of the six months, or what work has been done to improve the system to make it easier to report instances of senior abuse? Well, we're still in the information gathering phase of our report, Jeff. So we've surveyed British Columbians to try and understand their understanding of uh, elder abuse, their perception of its um, uh, of how prolific it is in the province, and it's confirmed what we thought, which is it is significantly underreported officially. So now we're looking at where is it being reported officially and how can we make that more understandable to the public. And we expect to be releasing our report in the fall. Um, as you can appreciate, a lot of timelines have shifted over the last uh, few months as, as COVID-19 has uh, reprioritized things. 
But COVID-19 has also reprioritized the importance of this topic for the reasons that Pamela has articulated. Uh, Right now, many people are going to be looking at what's happening, the turmoil in the markets. They're going to be worried about their income. Uh, They're going to be more isolated than normal. And many are turning to uh, online presence who hadn't been there in the past and, and aren't aware of all the protections that they need to take in order to ensure that they don't fall victim to fraud and financial abuse. Now, uh, as part of today, you guys are launching a, a new video that is kind of going to help, I guess, people understand what exactly are the signs and symptoms of, of senior abuse. What can they look out for in order to know and identify the fact that, that you know someone is being taken advantage of? And then, you know, how do you go about reporting that? So um, I just wanted to ask, I guess, you know, is this something that people, when they're seeing instances of senior abuse are perhaps just unaware or they don't realize that it is happening. I don't know who wants to take this question exactly, but uh, like, is there a particular thing that you can say to people when, the, when they're you know dealing with a loved one, they're seeing that something may be off, but they don't really realize that it's an instance of abuse? Is this video going to help maybe identify some of those signs and symptoms? Yeah, sure. I'll take that one. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that there are signs that family members or friends uh, should watch out for uh, that might signal that uh, a senior or their loved one uh, is being the target of, a, of investment fraud. So, you know, you might notice that there's a new person in their life and that they're depending on that person for advice and perhaps financial advice. Um, they may suddenly not be spending money or going out anymore, or they might be you know, really further isolating themselves and ignoring family members or avoiding friends. And this might be because of a, you know, maybe a feeling of shame or fear because of an investment that they've made that has gone wrong. Uh, Another thing you might see is that they're failing to take care of themselves or or keep up their homes. And so if if you see some of these things, it could be uh, a signal that they are pointing back to some kind of of fraud because investment scams are really fueled by shame and they breed in silence. So, you know, if you have any inkling that this might be happening, the most important thing that you can do is open up a conversation, talk to your family and talk to your friends and help them report investment fraud. Now, uh, Isabel, I'll kind of follow that up with you. I mean, we talked about, uh, you know, how it is kind of a difficult um, reporting system that's in place right now. A lot of people don't know necessarily how to go about reporting it. What do you think is is also another problem is the fact that maybe people are, as, as Pamela was mentioning, almost ashamed that, you know, they were taken advantage of and don't want to go about reporting it. Is that also a significant part of this problem? It is. And I think that the other big part of the problem is that of the people who witness financial abuse, three-quarters of them say it was a family member. And this is what is very, very difficult to deal with, Jeff, which is the dependence that some seniors have on their family members and the unfortunate reality that some mem- members, uh, family members take advantage of that. And it's things like, uh, you know, a, a son or a daughter or a grandchild moves into the house and suddenly you start seeing signs that um, the title to the house is turned over to um, the either the child or the grandchild. The senior starts paying for a number of things on behalf of their uh, loved one. 
and and it just it, it can can spiral out of control. Sometimes it is it is outright fraud and abuse and and the kind of um, situations that Pamela is talking about. Sometimes it's based on a sense of entitlement, um, and that it, it it doesn't really start out with the, with the worst of intentions, but it can quickly spiral out of control, and that's what's very difficult to deal with. Mostly, uh, it's difficult when the abu- the financial abuser is somebody who is also supporting that senior to live independently in the community. So would you say it would be more important than if, if say, someone was maybe thinking, man, I might be taken advantage of, but I don't want to get someone in trouble, or, um, you know, they're just kind of concerned about what the potential repercussions would be if, if maybe they think, I might be taken advantage of, but I don't want to report it because I'm not really sure if this qualifies as abuse. Would you rather hear someone say, you know, I'm not really sure if this would qualify as abuse, but I'm going to report it anyway? I mean, would you want to hear those kinds of stories? Because I would think it would, it would, or, or, or do you go about like finding out, uh, you know, almost uh, investigating each report individually when you when you get one to say, you know, this is in fact abuse and and you shouldn't be accepting this uh, this as uh, at face value. I mean, how do you go about doing that? Is this something you want to hear people basically speak out more about, even if they think uh, it's kind of on the edge of what abuse might qualify as? I think so, Jeff. And I think what we have to do is destigmatize it. So. If we're able to get to a point where, if in doubt, report, and then if you're the family member who gets a call that somebody's concerned you might that there might be abuse going on in your mom or dad's life, um, that you actually welcome that, that rather than be defensive and say, well, what are you saying, that the reaction is that you're reassured to know that the system is out there making sure that not just your mom or dad is safe, but everybody's mom and dad are safe. And if that means they have to ask you a few questions, uh, if there's no abuse happening, you have nothing to worry about. And I think that, that if we look at, you know, where do we need to go uh, in order to address this, we need to get to a point where people are comfortable reporting it. And if it's happening appropriately, we will see cases reported where there isn't abuse. Um, and we're going to have to say, that's okay, we'll investigate and no harm, no foul. Uh, there's nothing happening here. But the system is there to reassure everybody. Now, Pamela, if there was... And I would just follow up on what what Isabel says there, uh, Jeff. You know, we want people to understand or recognize the warning signs of of investment fraud to, of course, reject them and say no, but report them to us and report anything that they even suspect might be a scam or potential investment fraud. Um, You know, as Isabel said, it might turn out to be nothing, but it might turn out to be something. And the sooner we get information about these potential scams, the sooner that we can take action on it and perhaps investigate and, you know, track down uh, these, these scam artists. Yeah, and Pamela, I just wanted to follow up there on that specifically, just talking about the better use of reporting. If you were to have a better database and have a better sense of really what the situation looks like in this province, I, I kind of have a good idea of how that would really help the BC Senior Advocates Office, but how would that help with uh, BCSC here? How would, how would you guys be able to do more with better data? Well, information is is, uh, is is key. It's extremely important. And the more information you have about uh, potential scams, the more you can do to reach out and stop them and 
bring, you know, the fraudsters uh, to task. And again, you know, if people are losing money, the more information we have, the sooner we get that information, the sooner that we might be able to get money back to investors. And, and that's the key. But there's, you know, as we talked about earlier, so often a, a stigma about talking about, um, you know, if you've made a bad investment, about talking about it with your family and certainly talking about it uh, with a regulator. But yes, the more data you have, uh, the more information you have to, to tackle potential fraud. Now, we're talking about this issue here today on World Elder Abuse Awareness Day. Of course, uh, you know, always good to have these days, these occasions to be able to raise awareness, to raise the profile of uh, whatever we're talking about. And today, of course, it is elder abuse, something that there is some stigma behind, something that people don't necessarily want to talk about or are afraid to talk about because they don't want to be embarrassed. Uh, But what else can we do? I mean, why is this something that needs to be talked about here today, but also more more frequently uh, on a more annual um, timeline, right? We need to talk about this more, I think, throughout the year to make sure that we break down that stigma. So what, what's happening here today, I guess, across the province in order to recognize today? You don't have to get into specifics. I know there's events happening all over the province, but what else uh, besides doing interviews like this is happening today to, to raise awareness, to raise the profile of elder abuse and the fact that it is, of course, happening? And what else can we do throughout the course of the year? I don't know who wants to take this. I'll start with you, Isabel. Well, as you have pointed out there um, across the province, not so much events. In the <laughs> last year, there were events. There's a lot of uh, uh, zooming about uh, uh, in terms of activity out there around uh, raising awareness. So it is people like the Seniors Abuse and Information Line. It is people like uh, Seniors First BC, um, the Community Response Networks, certainly the designated agency, the public guardian and trustee, the BC Securities Commission, our office. We are all uh, trying to use the uh, focus of the um, World Elder Abuse Day as uh, a way of, of not just raising the awareness today and this week, but um, sustaining it. And because the more we make people aware of it, the more people will be um, uh, have their eyes and ears uh, open to see and hear what's going out around, uh, what's going on out there, and um, if we can get people reporting to us, then we can start to deal with reducing the amount of elder abuse that we're seeing out there and investment fraud, as Pamela has been talking about. Perfect. And do you have anything to add, Pamela? Yes, I mean, um, just exactly what Isabella said, and, you know, from our perspective, uh, we are reaching out to other organizations around the uh, province that support seniors. We're providing them, of course, with the video that um, the Office of the Seniors Advocate and the BCSC produced together. Uh, we are um, out on social media um, throughout uh, the course of, of this week, and for the rest is drawing awareness uh, to the issue. We developed a hashtag, uh, and so we've provided, you know, tweets to these organizations. And so what we're trying to do is just provide a lot of people with a lot of information that they can share publicly. And that in itself will, we hope, have some um, organic interest and increase in awareness of, you know, such an important issue. And particularly, you know, during a time right now uh, when people, you know, elders can be more isolated than they, than they typically are. 
And so it's just more important than ever right now that we do what we can to protect protect our seniors from uh, financial abuse. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to come on and talk about the subject here uh, on a day, of course, that marks it, World Elder Abuse Awareness Day. I think it's important to have these types of days in order to make sure we do talk about these kinds of subjects, reduce the stigma, and make people more aware of the fact that these kinds of scenarios are, are happening really, really close to home. Um, Isabel, I did want to ask one more question because you mentioned that the report is coming out on the fall as we look to improve the reporting system. Do you have any more specific timeline as to when that might be coming out? I know COVID-19 has really thrown a wrench and things and 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 also just to follow up on that what do people do in the meantime if if they do see an instance of elder abuse how do they go about reporting that here today well we're hoping to get the report out late september early october so uh hopefully that um that we are going to be able to meet that timeline and i think that the important thing for people to remember is uh, to contact the bc securities commission if they have concerns about investment fraud that they contact the designated agency, which would be the health authority, if they are concerned about uh, neglect uh, or self-neglect as a way of abuse, that they contact, obviously, the police departments, their local police departments, if they think there is any form of criminal or physical abuse, and that they can um, contact through the 211 number, which is now province-wide, they can uh, contact Seniors First BC and uh, be able to go through that process as well. There's the public guardian and trustee if they think that it's not criminal, but somebody's finances are not being managed appropriately. So I think, you know, what we're working on is a more uh, single point of contact that we can refer people to, and we hope that, that that will be one of the things coming out of our report in the fall. But for now, those are the numbers that they need to think about. Perfect. Definitely good information to have in the meantime. And then, of course, we'll hopefully be able to make things easier here uh, later on here in uh, 2020. But thank you guys so much for doing this. Really appreciate it, Isabel. Really appreciate you taking the time, Pamela. Thank you guys so much for coming on. And uh, hopefully we can chat again in the future. Okay. Thank Thank you, Jeff. Jeff.